Hey, thanks for tuning into the V1 Church Podcast. This is Mike Signorelli, the lead pastor of V1, and this is the grand finale of our series, As It Is in Heaven. It has been one of the most talked about series that we have ever done. Every single day of the week, I have woken up and gone to bed to messages from people about this being a realignment in their life, a new beginning, a new chapter. They've gotten fresh revelation, fresh wisdom, insight, strategy, and it's been incredible. And so what I want you to do is this, lock in, commit to the next 29 minutes. I'm going to meet you on the other side and have a very special message for you there. I just want to let you know, you are welcome at V1 Church. We have a statement that I often say, no perfect people allowed. I mean, that's like how my family got in. And you know, the thing that makes this place so special is the fact that somebody sitting next to you, somebody sitting around you, cares about you. We've got dream team members and we've got people who aren't just members of this church, but we actually consider them owners who show up every single week and say, I'm never gonna underestimate the power of my presence. And they wanna hug your neck, they wanna know your name, they wanna hang out with you and go out for coffee with you this week. I promise you they do. No matter how wild your kids are, they got a kid that will scream louder in the in the Starbucks with you and make you feel at home. So be, do me a favor, before we get out of this service today, promise me that you're going to find somebody, connect with them, and intentionally build a community here at V1 Church because you are only ever one ask away <laughs> from making a new friend here at V1. And just looking at the relationships that have formed has been so incredible. Now here we are at the conclusion of this series, As It Is In Heaven. And I've been saying this, but I just felt such an importance on every single word that I communicated it equally across both locations. And whether I'm shouting at you through the screen or I'm there in person, I just felt like there was a mandate from God for our church to sync up both locations, Queens and Long Island, as it is in heaven. Because there's something important that happens when unity is in the midst. So I'm just telling you, get ready, because so many things have been deposited. You know, as I got ready to preach through the end of this series, and this is the grand finale right now, it's not about the worship singles that we're releasing and the the worship covers, because you all know that we do these songs better than some other churches do. I'm just saying. <laughs> I used to have a pastor who would say, it's a, poor, it's a poor frog who won't croak for his own pond. How many of you know that V1 Church is your home and we're going to croak for our own pond? And we've got a worship team that is just crushing it, delivering such excellence. But, but more so than that, the intimacy of God's presence every single Sunday. I mean, it is amazing. And so we're excited to finally have those songs uh, available as well. And it's just, it's just amazing to see what God's doing. People are realizing and reaching their potential every single week through the local church. Root systems are going down deep. How many of you know that in a dry season of your life, it's where your roots go deep that you will actually find the source of life? To me and my wife and our family, that's what the local church has been for so many years, and we're so excited to have you with us. Now go ahead and take out your Bibles. I don't know which device you have. Some of your Bibles glow. Maybe your Bible glows like my Bible glows today. Turn to Luke chapter 23. 
We're going to do a deep dive on Luke chapter 23. And I've told you uh, this entire series, I'm not holding back. I'm giving you historical context, Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. We've been, I mean, think about the last three weeks. Think about all the things you've learned. This has been one of the most DM'd, most emailed, most, most messaged messages that I've preached in a long time. And it's just because people are coming into this fullness of the understanding that it's, now let me, I'll just drop it on you right now before we jump in while you're finding Luke chapter 23. It's not about praying a prayer and going to heaven. That's not the end game. It's not about praying a prayer and go to heaven. It's about praying a prayer and bringing heaven here to earth. And when you get that understanding, everything changes. I am so sick and tired of people telling me about, they, the people like to give me the report on this is church on Long Island. Well, I didn't come here to learn the culture. I came here to change it and let the culture of heaven impact it. Is there anyone with me today? Come on. And so as we go through this, this, this grand finale today, I want you to maybe revisit the previous messages because there's something on YouTube waiting for you. There's something on Spotify waiting for you. Our church is on Spotify. You know, there's something at the V1 Church app. I, I don't know. There's something on one of those Facebook videos uh, of the series that you so desperately need because there's freedom in these messages. So I implore you, the Bible study is happening online every single week. Monday through Sunday, go out and get it. Go out and feed yourself. So let's eat right now. Luke chapter 23 says this, when they came to the place called the skull, some translations say Golgotha, they crucified him there. We're talking about Jesus along with the criminals. They crucified the king of the kingdom alongside the criminals. One on the right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes and, and casting lots. The people stood there watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. And they said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. Man, let's keep reading. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. See, there was king talk and they were saying, you know what? Listen, if you truly are the king, which means nobody can vote you out, nobody can usurp you. I mean, you are the king. If you truly are what you say you are, save yourself. There was a written note above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. See, they were mocking the very concept that we've been preaching through the last several weeks. One of the criminals who hung, um, hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and save us. He, but see, he wasn't, really, he wasn't really asking a real question, are you the Messiah? You know, there's some people around you that will ask questions, but they don't want a real answer. There's some people that will mock you even with the questions that you're, they're asking you. But the other criminal rebuked him saying, don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Think about this now. We're going to, for those of you who have been staying with us in this series, there's a deep truth being unlocked right now. See, you ever heard that phrase before? It takes one to know one. 
This man said, I know what I am. I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I've fallen short of the glory of God. I know what I am. And because I know what I am, I know what he is. I can see an innocent man because when I look in the mirror, I see someone so guilty. I see somebody who needs a savior. And so I know when someone innocent is right next to me. And he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Here's what happened in that moment. This is very crucial to your understanding of this entire text. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. In that moment, the man who was hanging on the cross next to Jesus, he actually dubbed him king. He called him king in that moment. He said, this is your kingdom, remember? And Jesus said, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Let's talk about the, the difference between reality and expectation. You know, when I first met Julie, we were dating, and I'll never forget, she had made the mistake of telling me, Mike, uh, I, I don't know how we got started on this. When you're like in the pre-marriage phase, you know, you're talking about all your dreams, all your desires, you're planning together, you're setting up the, the expectation for what your life is going to be like. And it's, and you know, I don't know if you guys did this, but we had like the marathon phone calls, the four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten minute, uh, ten hour um, phone calls, and the ones where you're falling asleep sleep on them and somewhere in the midst of all those hours and hours of talking my wife revealed my soon-to-be future wife revealed to me that she wanted a, a that she didn't like hairy men not and because we had not made the reveal yet of the fact that my chest is hairy uh, we had I think our relationship was exclusively on the phone at that point I, I thought okay if I ever get to really take her on a date, I've got to, I've got to set the expectation that I've got to meet her expectation. And so I nared my chest. Nair is a chemical lotion that you placed on your body. You are supposed to wipe it off after, I think, four minutes. I haven't done this in a while. But my mentality with everything is if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. So I put Nair on my chest and left it on for like 20 minutes. And it burnt my chest to a crisp. I mean, it's seriously, it was, it was, it was tragic. And so in my attempt to meet my future wife's expectations, I burnt my chest to a crisp. And when I showed up for that very first date to pick her up and take her to Starbucks, because you know, all legacies, all dynasties are started at the Starbucks. Our church was actually birthed in a Starbucks. Evan and I work in every single morning in Starbucks. So my first date with Julie's at Starbucks and I kept feeling this singeing feeling of my shirt sticking to my, uh, my bacon crisp chest. And it was just my attempt, the expectation versus the reality. And sooner or later, I had to get over it because I said, listen, I know you don't know me like this, but I have just suffered the ultimate price for you. And I can't live up to that expectation. You know, my wife, she's felt in other seasons that she just couldn't be everything the world expects her to be. We got married and then we had kids and we were one of those families that, and still are many ways that are like a dual income family where, you know, she would work a job and I would work a job. I mean, if you're any, if you're living in the 21st century, you feel this mismatch of what you think you can be and what's being required of you. Like, I don't look like a Ken doll. I, I if they would have a Ken, the, if they made a Barbie out of me, you'd have to pay 
extra because of how much fur you'd have to put on the thing. I mean, this is just who I am. And so expectation and reality, there's a mismatch. If you're alive in the 21st century, what you think you can be or should be and what you actually pull off on a weekly basis, there is a mismatch. Does anyone know what I'm talking about for as weird as I'm being today? We all have this mismatch of expectation and reality. And you know, as my wife and I have gone, gone on that journey, sometimes we felt like really good parents. Today we took our kids to the park. Today we disciplined them by dropping down to our knees and having a quiet conversation about how their behavior needs to change. Other days we yell at them. Other days we throw something down on the table. Other days they watch Netflix and they watch YouTube all day long and learned whatever the devil wants to teach them through those platforms because we were tired and the expectation and the reality there's just a mismatch and we don't always add up every single time and you know when I look at Luke chapter 23 I, I, I realize that Jesus knows how we felt more than any other character in the Bible because there was a mismatch between the expectations and the realities of everyone around him so let me let me explain it if you were a Jew living in that time the Messiah was somebody who wouldn't go to to take the cross he was supposed to take the country I mean Jesus was supposed to be a religious and spiritual force and that was going to not just bring the kingdom in this like kind of esoteric oh it's in your heart you're going to be born again life is life it wasn't like they expected him to triumphantly come in as king to replicate the dynasty of David and the fact that we are going to slaughter people we are going to murder and bring and bring dominion in a physical sense this is going to be a political reign and so when Jesus shows up and says the complete opposite of that, there was a mismatch of expectation and reality uh, that uh, everywhere, everywhere around him, it was kind of like the Jews didn't think he was who he said he was. He certainly didn't manifest the plan of God in any way that they expected it. So he didn't live up to nearly any of their expectations. And then now he is being murdered by the Romans, the occupying governmental force, and they're jumping in on the, on the insult and the mockery. And, and they're saying, you know, when you, he's at this place called the skull and he's literally, literally saying, <clears throat> Father, forgive them. They don't know who, what they're doing. They don't know what, what they're doing. And they're casting lot, lots for his clothes. And then in verse 35, it says, the people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. And they said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. They didn't have an expectation that anything was going to come other than his death. And so they're mocking him, they're insulting him. And let me just ask you this, do you feel in, in, your, in your life that you are constantly falling short of everyone's expectations? Do you feel like your family looks at you and they're just like, man, it, you, they were never as successful as I thought they could have been? Do you feel like maybe your spouse looks at you and says, man, that person that I stood at the aisle and said, till death do us part, never really added up to what I thought they should be or what I thought they, sh they could be. The person in scripture that identifies most with you is Jesus. 
He had outstretched arms hanging on the cross, getting ready to pay the final price and the penalty for all sin ever. And yet the Romans said, this guy's a joke. The Jews said, this guy's a joke. And he lived in that space between expectation and reality where everyone is being let down. Can you imagine being someone who was healed by Jesus, having such a high expectation that, man, he did something good for me at one particular point, but now he's hanging on the cross and it looks like it's all a lie. Have you ever had a streak where you did good for a little while? Have you ever done something great in someone's life for them to think that you're great and then you failed them later on? Maybe that's what this moment felt like for them where they were like, man, They didn't see the cross as a success. They saw it as a failure. I mean, let me ask you this. What if you're not in your breakthrough season right now? What if you're not in your freedom season right now? What if you're not in your success season right now? What if you got outstretched arms and you're in the place between expectation and reality and you're saying, I don't understand. I don't understand how I got here. I mean, there are people that Jesus... Man, he taught a great word. Man, he preached a great message. Man, he dropped some wisdom. And then they're saying, man, maybe he is who he said he is. And the cross was such an ugly, disgusting, dark place that they said, man, the total sum of all of his wisdom got him there, hanging on the cross, dying like that. The total sum of all his strategy and insight and wisdom. I mean, have you ever tried to counsel someone else in life and you've tried to pour out all the wisdom you had and you try to tout yourself as a public figure? I'm somebody who can help somebody else. I'm somebody who gets paid to help somebody else. Maybe you're a counselor and maybe you're a coach, maybe you're a teacher and you find yourself in a situation where people have no other choice but to look at your life and say, man, if that cross is the total total sum of every single bit of wisdom that they try to impart in my life. I don't know if they are what they think they are, and I don't know if I want it. Man, it's getting real today, isn't it? Come on, church. Come on, V1 Church. I'm sure you're all intently listening for the preaching part, but what if there is a season in your life, and maybe you're in it right now, where it's not the highlight reel? Maybe you feel like this is the stuff that is better left on the floor. And I I think that Jesus and the cross is a picture of, of kings and kingdoms. And so what does it look like when we talk this talk? Man, I've preached some messages in the last three weeks. Oh, it's the, it's the king in the kingdom which makes you an heir to everything. If, you're, if he's the king and you receive him as Lord, then you are a son or daughter and you have access to every single thing that, you, that he has. But, but what if that's all true? But what if what you've got is a cross before you got the country? What, what if what you've got is pain before you've come into purpose? I mean, what if the thing that you're struggling through right now is a losing season before you see the winning season? I mean, what if, what if, what if, what if a king has to die on a cross? What if a king has to die on a cross? You know, I think that when we talk about sharing, like, man, this is spiritual family, this is spiritual adoption, we often talk about the benefits, but what if we talked about the family business? See, if you're talking about the family business and you're talking about the family benefits, you've got to talk about the whole thing now because it's real easy to preach the family benefits. Like, hey, your dad's the king, so you got a lot of benefits, supernatural healing, provision. You've got all these benefits, but when you talk about the family business, hey, guess what? 
Guess who works the farm? The family does. Guess who has to put their hands to the plow? The family does. Guess who's got to die on a cross like dad did? Well, we do too. That, that's, that's the family business and the family benefits. And I guess the grand finale that I have for you today is to say that, yeah, the benefits are real, but the business is real too. And, and yeah, yeah, the resurrection is real, but the cross is real too. And, and I think what I found myself in this season of my life, just having to acknowledge and attend way in a way that I haven't had to acknowledge it before is that is that there's going to be some times and now just hear me church when I say this where just because you see Jesus on the cross doesn't nullify all the wisdom that he spoke before the cross do you hear me today just because you see Jesus hanging on the cross doesn't nullify all the strategy that he took to get to that cross just because you see somebody suffering just because you somebody see somebody in what looks like a losing season doesn't nullify all of what they said before they got to that cross and I think that there's times in my life because of the sovereignty of God that I'll bear my own cross and people will get a misconception mis, uh, about what that really is. Maybe they're looking at the, their life and they're saying, man, your life is not too good, <laughs> not too good of an advertisement for Christianity. Maybe, maybe people are looking, your friends and your family are like, okay, so let me get this straight. You keep giving your money to this local church and you're still broke. That's not too much of an advertisement for Malachi, the book of Malachi. I mean, maybe people are looking at life, okay, so you, you give your time, you keep showing up for the dream team to build this local church and, and yet you're, you're still suffering. Like, who's your dream team? Who's the one building your life? I mean, maybe it just looks like you're in a losing season and your family is, look at, look at this thing. I mean, but the, the other criminal, and this is what I love, says one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, but the other criminal rebuked him. See, what happens is there's always going to be somebody else that rises up on your behalf and sets the record straight and says, hey, listen, there's something else at play here. You see uh, somebody to insult, but I see someone to surrender to. And so what I think is so important about as it is in heaven is understanding that not everyone's going to get it. Not everyone's going to understand, but yet there are others that are going to see it. There's others that are going to get a revelation. There are others that are going to know what's really happening around you. You know, we were getting ready to go film the last portion for this, for this single that we're working on. And I was going to locations in Queens and then I was going to Long, Long Island and we're capturing these sounds and we're summoning up these sounds that we're going to make all of heaven now, all of earth and heaven can collide in this, this thin space where, where we summon up these noises. And it was just like this crazy vision I had. And, and so we got the microphone, the laptops. Well, anyways, we went to go, we're in Amityville and we went to go to the South Shore and, and collect some noises of the ocean. Now, mind you, episode three of this series, I preached about Psalm 23 and Kosi Ravaya, which means my cup satisfies me. What the Lord poured me in this season, whether it's suffering or whether it's a winning season, no matter what it looks like, I'm going to let it satisfy me. And so I just had preached on Psalm 23. Now, I, we're driving down the road and this little dog runs past our car. And I'm like, Evan, we got to grab this dog. So we jump out of the car and we grab this little purse dog. And we're like, surely somebody's looking for this dog. And no Nobody was looking, so we're knocking on doors and talking to the neighbors. Well, then all of a sudden, I said, you know what? None of the neighbors knew whose dog this is. It clearly was a well-kept dog. Somebody's in distress right now, so let's keep it with us and figure this out. So all of a sudden, we, we drive. Now, I was going to go to one dock, but I decided because we had this dog, let's go to another dock. 
what was happening was the atmosphere was beginning to shift around us because we didn't know it, but we were on a destiny collision. And so all of a sudden we walk up to this dock and I see a woman. And this woman looks to be facing out to the water and then suddenly she just turns and she's facing us. And I, I told her, I was like, hey, is this your dog by any chance? She's like, no, this is my dog. And she goes, but I'm on a few Facebook groups for this community and I can possibly post a picture with your information and then we can you know, go from there. And so Evan's holding this dog and, and all of a sudden she takes a picture and then asks, what's your email? And, and he says, it's Evan at v1.church. And as she's asking that, she's sort of waving her arms and just me being observant, I noticed that on her forearm is Psalm 23. And I'm realizing in that moment that there's a divine appointment happening. And then she goes, you guys are here and, and, and you're, um, you're here like on behalf of a church or something? I said, yeah, I said, you know what's crazy? I said, actually, we moved out here to start this church. We moved from the Midwest. It's been very challenging, but we're giving it our best. We love people. We love this region. We want to see God move here. And I said, we're actually here to collect some noises from this waterfront to sample into a song. And I said, you know what's funny? I said, I, I noticed you had Psalm 23 on your forearm. I said, not only did I preach that last week, but actually Psalm 23 is in the lyrics of this song as well. And she's like, oh, wait, you, we, you hold on. She's like, I just moved here from, from Oklahoma. And she's like, I've been looking for a church. And she said, the, actually, the Lord. And I love that she used the, the word Lord because we've been preaching through kings and kingdoms. And if you remember from these messages, the term Lord means what? That he owns everything. And the one, so in other words, she said, and the one who owns everything told me, come to this dock and pray. And when you pray, I will answer you. And when she got done praying, Mike and Evan from V1 Church were standing right in front of her saying, hey, we planted a church here. Because she said, I've been longing to find a good church here in this region. I've been longing to find a place where I can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you know, it's funny because in that moment when she said that I took everything in me to not cry because she didn't know I should have never been at that dock. I should have never been at that space. But kingdom, a kingdom was being established in this region and, and earth and heaven were colliding in that moment. And so as we were going on this journey to make this worship song and to bring the sounds of this distant place right here to earth, we didn't know that God's people were being summoned up in such a special way and being connected in such a special way and there's always going to be the criminal that's hanging next to you insulting you bringing down the local church telling you how they think it can be done better telling you what's not right about it but there's always going to be someone else hanging that's saying I need grace to set me free I know that this man is a savior and while you're complaining and while you're trivializing this moment I see the savior of the world next to me and I'm so thankful for every single one of you that can see a savior in the midst of all this madness and say, forget about the politics, forget about being small-minded. I see Jesus and I see a world who needs him so desperately. And it was such a reminder to me as we were down by the water meeting this woman, the scripture, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. Now, I've heard a lot of people say that scripture and give their perspective on it, but if you contextualize it, he was talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist had many followers. He drew big crowds into the wilderness to baptize them. And Jesus was giving an image that people were trying to take over the kingdom as if it was a fortified, uh, fortified place, like a fortified city. And the kingdom of heaven suffers violence is an image of people who so desperately want to break into that city that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it, the kingdom by force. And it was like he was summoning up this imagery 
of these friends who were like, we got to get our friend to Jesus. And they're tearing apart a rooftop and lowering their friend into the rooftop and, and summoning, summoning up this imagery of this woman with the issue of the blood who's just saying, I, I've got the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. I see a city. I see this city, this shining light. And if I can breach the walls of that city, if I can break into that place, there's healing for me in that place. The, and, and so that's truly in context what that scripture means. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence is an image of people who so desperately want to get into that city that they're violent in their attempt to break down any wall and any barrier. And that's the kind of people that I so desperately want and need to be a part of the mission of V1 Church and bringing the kingdom of heaven here down on earth. People are saying, I am desperate. I want to violently break down every wall and every barrier until we breach that city called the kingdom of heaven, until we breach that place. And just like that man said, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He was saying, my arms, my very hands might be pinned down to this cross right now, but my spirit, my soul is clawing and clutching. I want in. I want into the presence of God. I want in to be saved. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you today, you will be in paradise. Right now, with the last two minutes of this message, if you feel something stirring in your heart, a clawing, a clutching, a violence to say, I've got to get into the presence of God. I've got to get into this kingdom. It's not about the religions and traditions of men. It's about saying, I want into the kingdom. That's the culmination of all these messages. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. They don't care what the church does and doesn't do. They don't care what their leader does and doesn't do. They just want in. They're not the ones hurling insults. They're the ones de uh, de declaring and shouting praises. They're not the ones hurling insults. They're not the ones making complaints. They're the ones making violent petitions. So right now in this moment, you have an opportunity to do that very thing. If you want into the kingdom, if you want to surrender your life to the king of the kingdom, if everyone sees the foolishness of the cross, but right now your eyes are being opened to say, I know what this is really all about. I want you to just shoot your hand up in the air right now. Come on, keep your hand there and repeat these words after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sins. I accept the cross. And right now I expect to have a new reality. I expect there to be resurrection on the other side of the cross. A new beginning on the other side of this season. In Jesus' name, and everyone shout it. Wow, what an incredible series. If you got this far, I believe it's because there is a dream that you have that you might be mocked for. You might be insulted along the way. Some of you right now have been thinking about the fact that you have listened to this story your entire life and never imagined that you could be fulfilling your destiny, hanging between two criminals, one insulting you and the other one realizing that what you have is the very thing that they need so desperately. It's the kingdom of God here on earth. And I think that that's really the freedom that happened as people were going through this message in particular, just understanding not everyone's going to get you, not everyone's going to get your life, not everyone's going to get what you're trying to do, but you never have a biblical account of Jesus turning to address the one criminal who was insulting him. You only have 
an account of him turning towards the person who got it and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And so I wanna encourage you and leave you with this. Don't waste your time with the skeptics and the critics and the ones who don't get what God's got for your life. I want you to keep your eyes open this week for the people that God has sent to you who acknowledge what you've been called to do and how God's using you. So do me a favor. The best way that you can pay it forward right now is share this with a friend, tag somebody, get this thing moving, subscribe, give us a five-star rating if you think it's worth it, and we will see you guys next week.